0: So last week we looked at how the church was irresistible. It became irresistible by being good news people in a bad news world. And that we as the current church and our current culture and climate are called to do the same. To be full of all, to be an all-filled and all-full church. And to be full of all about what God is doing in the here and now. And to be united in that all-fullness. But as we know, the story of Acts does not simply stop at the Pentecost. And it goes on, and, and today we want to look at Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 where we hear uh, about Peter and John, and it says that one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. And Peter looked intently at him, as did John. And they said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him up and he took him by the right hand, he raised him up, and he immediately to his feet, and his ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and astonishment at what had happened to him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, Peter and John find themselves, for lack of a better way of putting it in our modern terms, going to church They're going to a prayer service. And, and as they're approaching, they, find, they see this man who has been strategically placed, and I say placed because he was, as we hear, lame since birth, so someone had to put him there. And he's strategically placed because they've put him at the entrance of the temple. Perhaps the, he's heard of what has been going on there. He's been hearing of the Pentecost story and, and how they came together and they sold all that they had to help those in need, as we heard in Acts chapter 2. Uh, perhaps he comes hearing you know, that, they're giving, that they're giving people, and so he's seeking a handout. He's heard how they're helping And he needs help. So he gets someone to take him there. And as he's sitting there, along come Peter and John. As he's sitting in this strategic placement, he finds himself asking for and begging for what he wants. For alms for the poor. He's asking for, for gold and silver. He's expecting the people of God to meet his wants. And we may be saying, well, wait a minute, but are we really any different? I mean, what do we expect from the people of God in the house of God? What do we expect from God? Many times, even our prayers are, God, just give me what I want. We we, we show up on Sunday morning, we listen to sermons, we find ourselves proclaiming that we need something. We're searching for something. But do we expect God to just meet our wants? Do we even know what we want? Do do we understand what the world wants? Uh, You see, uh, as we hear our story, the, the man is simply saying, give me what I want. And I think many of us are the same way. God, just give me what I want. What I want. What I desire. But the man learns quickly that as the song says, you can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you might find that you get what you need. Because as a man is asking for money, for for what he wants, for what he desires, the question that comes to my mind is, why doesn't he ask for what he needs? I mean, he has been a paralytic since birth, by all accounts. Why is he not asking to be made whole? To be healed? Does he not believe that it can happen? Has he given up hope? Is he, is he simply just trying to fill the void um, and why? Why is it that he's asking for a want and not a need? And the better question is, why so often do we come to God and to church and ask for wants instead of the needs of our world and of our lives to be fully be met? I mean, the world is crying out all around, give me what I want. And we so often are no different. We look for what will be the quick fix. We look for something to fill the void in our lives. We look for something that we think will bring us happiness. Maybe we're saying, God, just give me the job that I desire. God, give me more money. God, um, I'm a, I want this, this, these drugs or alcohol to, to make me feel good. Um, I need sex to, to fill the void of relationship. Maybe we're seeking out respect and status. But we find ourselves like the man screaming, give me what I want. Give me what I deserve. I deserve to feel good. I deserve to feel whole. But fortunately for us, and for the man, God doesn't give us what we deserve, but what we need. For we hear in Scripture the wage of sin is death, but God doesn't give us death. God gives us grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and life. So Peter and John say, I'll give you what I have. And what I have may not be what you think you need but it is what you truly need and I can imagine that as the man is sitting here listening to Peter and John pontificate about we don't have gold and silver we don't have this or that look at us we're, we don't have it that he's going alright well if you're not going to give me money keep walking so that the next person can but instead Peter and John say we'll give you what we have and they look at him and they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. Well, the man is probably thinking, just keep walking. They say, no, 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 sir, you walk. Get up. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are made whole. You have been healed. And you see, I think this comes down so often in our own lives to the uh, idea of what is it that we expect? We've talked about this before, but what is it that we expect and too often in our lives, we expect one thing, but God says, I've got something much better and greater, because what we expect is what the world tells us we should expect, instead of what God speaks truth into our lives. And so we find ourselves expecting one thing, but God is going, I, I, I desire so much greater for you. And this raises a question in my own life, that if our own expectations became a reality, would we be living a life that is fully alive? And for many of us, I think not, I think we have, we have kind of quelched our expectations to the, to the lowest common denominator, I, I would settle for this. And I think this is where the man finds himself as well, that like, he is settled from not asking for what he needs to asking just for something that he wants that is adequate in his own mind. You see, the expectation of the man was so low that he just addressed his immediate wants, and I feel like this is probably rooted in the fact that for so long the church, the people at the temple, had been had not been able to do anything, and so he just doesn't expect much from the church. However, Peter and John uh, know. Jesus or they and they know who Jesus is and they know the power of Jesus and so the expectation that they have is that Jesus will show up and he said I'm not going to give you what you want but I'm going to give you what you need and, and you think about this and don't gloss over it and go oh what a, what a nice little turn of phrase but here's the thing this is the beginning of the church and had Peter and John said in the name of Jesus Christ get up and walk and everybody entering into the temple seen this and the man didn't, was not able to do so, it would have stopped right there. Do you understand the confidence with which Peter and John had to have? They, they had to have the utmost confidence that Jesus would show up, that the power of God would make this man whole in order to proclaim this in this juncture. And the question I have for us is, do we have that same expectation of Jesus Christ to show up? to make people whole, to resurrect and to transform. Because there is brokenness in our world. You don't have to look very far to find it. There's hate and division, separation and and just hurt. Our world is broken and is far from what we are called to be by God. We can't keep burying our head in the sand as we have We can't keep just picking sides and deciding that we're going to yell at each other instead of speaking to each other. We can't say that I'm right, you're wrong, instead of being able to come to the table in in unity and love and care for the other. We can't simply find ourselves acting as though the hurt doesn't exist. Acting as though the other doesn't exist we must give what we have. Because this is what the world needs to heal, to be made whole. We must give them what we proclaim to have. They may not even know that they need it or desire it, but we must give what we proclaim to have. And, but too often, as the church, we proclaim to have it as we've talked about in the past, but we hoard it for ourselves and say, Ah, if they need it, they can come get it. Ah, nah, they need to get right. That's on them. They did this to themselves. But the world, we are proclaiming it every day that the world needs Jesus, but too often we are afraid to give Jesus to the world. The, Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit is what will make the world whole, but too often we are too busy proclaiming our own ideals, our own desires, our own thoughts instead of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ you see that what the world needs now is the god whom we have discussed over the past few weeks the god of love and mercy and hope and joy the God who meets you where you are, but doesn't leave you there, because God desires for resurrection to happen in the here and now in your life, for you to be made whole. The God of repentance and redemption, the God of change and transformation—that is the God that the world needs and that we need now. But we have settled our expectations. We we expect nothing but the bare minimum. We just kind of go through life. And for many of us, we'd never say it out loud, but our faith is wavering. And we may not even know that it's wavering, but our actions speak louder than our words as we proclaim that we believe in Jesus Christ, but we do not proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ because we're afraid of what may happen, but we, we instead we proclaim the bad news of our world. We just echo what we hear in the world. And over and over in Jesus' teachings, he said, you've heard it said this, but I proclaim this. And too often we just settle at the, you've heard this. You can't give what you don't have. But, or maybe, as I've proclaimed before, God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. Which is a clear echo of Second Peter 1.3, where it says, You have everything you need for the life that you're called to. Or, uh, as I've heard some other preachers say, God guides by what he provides. But in this case, I've noticed that, God, but that what we hear in this story is the exact opposite is true as well. That God guides by what he withholds. And this is a hard truth for some of us to hear. For many of us, we find ourselves, as I said, begging for our wants to be met. But what, what if God is withholding something that you want so that he can help you and us see, do, and understand something that we may not see, do, or understand otherwise? If Peter had given the man silver and gold what he wanted, he wouldn't have experienced being made whole through the power of Jesus Christ, which is what he needed. And too often, I think we look at our lives and go, I don't have this, I don't have that, so I can't do this, I can't do that. And we view our constraints or not having all that we want as the problem. But what if it's leading us to a breakthrough? For many of us, we proclaim things like, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough time. But God may be calling us to do something that doesn't require money, but we think that we, you have to have the money to do the work. Or, or this is one that I hear way too often. I'm, I'm too old or, or, or I'm too young. And I just want to ask the question, when, when is the right age? I mean, I've I oftentimes heard it said, well, I'm too old or they're too old or they're too young or I'm too young. But no one is just the right age. Have you ever noticed that? maybe we just passed it in our sleep one time, but when is the right age? If we can proclaim that we're too old or too young, what is the right age? And the answer is, any day that you are above ground, God still has a calling and a purpose placed on your life, and that is the right age to do what God is calling you to do. God is calling us to look at what we have and do with it what we are called to do, and not look at what we don't have and say, I can't do this, I can't do that. God's not worried about what you can't do. He's worried about what you can do, and so what he's saying is, take what you've got and do with it what you can. We are called to a time such as this and a place such as this for God to use us to meet the needs of this world. So maybe our prayer should be, or our question, God, what is the need in my life that you're trying to meet? And how will you use me How will you use your church to meet the needs of those around us? God, what is it that we have that we can give? Because we long to give to a world in need, you. We long to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are healed. You are made whole. Get up and walk. Amen. Amen.